I'm Cassidy Quinn, and this is Mentally Together. Because whether we can see it on the surface or not, we are all just trying to keep ourselves mentally together. And no matter what our brains are experiencing, we're not alone. We're together. Now, if you have ever thought to yourself that the mental health care system in the world is way too complicated and does not make any sense, then yep, we are right there together with each other, which is exactly why it took me so many years to start going to therapy. I didn't start until just over a year ago, and also explains why I now haven't gone to therapy in two months because I had to switch insurance, and again, it it makes no sense. But that whole thing is another story for another time. This episode is about good news. Now, I know in some areas of life, it can seem like we are going backwards in the world, unfortunately, but do not worry. I mean, there are still plenty of things to worry about, but with this, don't worry because there are still lots of people out there working hard to move us forward and make things better. And that includes my guest today, who is going to tell us about a small number that is making a big change in the mental health care system. And by mental health care system, I really just mean like human lives, saving actual humans. When this episode is coming out, we are just a few days away from July 16th, which is the big launch date for 988. 988 is kind of like 911, but for people experiencing suicidal thoughts or substance abuse or any other type of mental health crisis. When you call 988, you will reach a real human that is trained to support you and figure out what kind of help you need. Before 988, you probably know your options were to call 911 or to dial out 10 whole numbers to reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And I don't know about you, but I have not memorized a phone number since I was like 10 years old and had to memorize my home phone number, my best friend's number, because otherwise I couldn't call them because I didn't like have a cell phone with everyone's phone numbers in them. So the idea of being in the middle of a mental health crisis and trying to remember a whole 10 digit long phone number to call is really tough. And then add on to that the fact that if you are having any type of mental health struggles, the idea of making a phone call at all can feel pretty impossible. When it comes to getting help when you're struggling with mental health, there are so many barriers. Money, time, availability of providers, long phone numbers, apparently. Hopefully we can make progress breaking down all of those barriers over time, and I think we are doing it slowly. But one of those barriers that seems really simple to break down right now is that phone number. Of course, if it were so simple, it wouldn't have taken years for mental health advocates and organizations across the country to make it happen. But it is finally happening. So today, we're going to talk to one of those advocates that has been putting in a lot of work. Dr. Margie Balfour is a psychiatrist and the Chief of Quality and Clinical Innovation at Connections Health Solutions in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, and for the record, normally I write these bios for my guests, but this time I'm just going to read a big chunk of Margie's bio that's on her company's website because she has a lot of accolades and I want to make sure that I get them right. She is a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and serves on the Council on Quality of Care. 
She has also served on the board of directors of the American Association of Community Psychiatrists, the American Association for Emergency Psychiatry, and NAMI Southern Arizona. Clearly, she has a lot of experience in this field and is the perfect person to tell us all about 988. So I love talking to her about what this number means for us and how we can all use it, including texting, by the way. You can text this phone number. The warning signs we can look for in ourselves and our loved ones who are struggling, and what Dr. Balfour sees as the future of mental health care. So let's get into it with Dr. Margie Balfour. 988 will be the new number for, is it the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline that it all links to? Yes. So there's currently a network of 180, 200 or so call centers around the country um, that started around the mid-2000s. That is a network of suicide hotlines. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And 988 will be a new, easy-to-remember, three-digit number that works anywhere that will link to that lifeline. It makes so much sense because, I mean, on the podcast, we've said the that whole phone number before we put it in the show notes and okay. It kind of seems like easy. There's a phone number to call, but how do you remember? I don't know if anybody actually remembers that number. So nine, eight, eight kind of like calling nine one one. Right. Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's an easy to remember number. Everyone can remember nine one one. So everyone can remember nine, eight, eight and it's less stigmatizing. It's, it's an emergency just like any other kind of emergency. And so it has, it's emergency number. Yeah. And what's what's really exciting is that you know they're, they're doing a soft launch on July 16th where it will connect to the current lifeline. And, and so what that means, it'll be different for, for different communities. In some communities, it will mean that it now there's an easy link to this, this really wonderful suicide hotline. Um, other communities have some of the stuff that like, like 911 has. So like today, we can't think about 911 without thinking about the response that comes with it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with the suicide hotline, a lot of people's crisis can be resolved on the phone. You know, they can, um, you know, talk to a trained suicide counselor who can help do an assessment, who can help them do a safety plan, who can help connect them to the resources that they need. And then that's it. The person has you know, they have their safety plan, they have resources they could connect to, and their their crisis is is kind of resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people need more than that. Yeah. And so just like when we think about 911, there's we think about the ambulances that come and the emergency and the trauma centers that people go to. Um, there's communities are, are building things like that for mental health. Out in Arizona, where I'm at is kind of looked at as one of we have one of the most robust and, and mature what we call mental health crisis systems that have mobile teams and facilities for people to go to. And every state because of 988 has gotten planning grants to help plan that. And so on July 16th, we'll have access to this hotline, but as crisis systems grow and are developed, you know, over the, the years, like happened with 911, we will eventually, everyone will have access to, the response where people can come out to where you're at and, and meet you and try to resolve your crisis or, or take you to a facility where you can get your needs met in a way that's a little more, you know, humane and more uh, geared towards the treatment that you need than being in an emergency room where people often have to wait for hours. And so it's really exciting because it can hopefully catalyze this whole 
emergency response system for mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And I know to some of us, it seems new. A lot of people haven't even heard that this 988 number is happening, but I know for you, you've been working on it for a while. How did this all come about? Like, what is this in response to, or is it just kind of a natural progression of it's everything? It's been in the works for a long time. The, you know, the credit really goes to the suicide prevention lifeline people mm-hmm. and you know, the, those folks who've been advocating and building that crisis hotline network for years. And so legislation started to be passed around the, in the 2010s. And I think the, the legislation that like that, that said, okay, there's going to be a three digit number. I think that was signed around 2016. And so then with the start date of this July 16th date, which seemed far away back then, yeah, yeah, now is fast coming, coming upon us. And so there's been lots of planning yeah, I think when it was first conceived, it was sort of conceived as it'll be this sort of standalone suicide hotline. But with all of the interest in policing and police reform and mm-hmm. getting police out of the business of being the default first responders for mental health crisis, there's been a, a lot of attention on how does 988 interact with 911 and mm-hmm. can it take some of those calls out of the the police pathway and put it in what we call a health first pathway. And so even since the legislation was conceived, there's been a lot of evolution in the thinking of what it means. And so um, it's really this convergence of, you know, many things there's the, all the work that the suicide hotline people had been doing for years to get to this point, Mm -hmm. there's COVID and the, you know, sort of shown a light on, the need for mental health services and just the impact that COVID has had on our nation's mental health. And so the relief packages are including a lot of of funding to help shore up the 988 launch and to help create that next step of the responses. And then you've got the social justice and police reform movements where, you know, there's lots of debate going on on what's the best way to, to tackle those problems. But one thing everybody agrees on is kind of a bipartisan issue is that police shouldn't be your default first responders for a psychiatric emergency. And so you've got a lot of convergence. And so it kind of is the right thing at the right time. So if people are listening, maybe they're thinking, okay, when, when do I call 988? Is it always suicidal thoughts? Is it if a loved one is struggling, what leads people or what might be a good time to call this phone number? Really in any of those, those cases. So if you yourself are experiencing some kind of mental health crisis, then you can call 988. And some, you know, it started off as a suicide hotline, but it's, you know, evolving into more of a mental health crisis line. And so part of the role of those call takers will be, will be to help see if they can help you with your crisis on the phone. And if not, figure out how to link you to the resources that you need. And so, um, you know, whether it's you or sometimes a loved one needing, needing information, you know, depending on, you know, r- right now it's the crisis lines are, you know, some of them just mostly focus on the counseling and others are part of these larger systems that are linked with other resources. But, you know, I would say, you know, if you have any kind of crisis, call it, and then um, they'll be working on figuring out how to get you connected to what you need. Yeah. It's such a tough thing because I know, A lot of us, you know, when you're going through a big mental health struggle, just talking to anyone, although in theory, you know, 
okay, I'm not alone. If I talk to other people, it will help me feel that way. I can share this information with somebody. This will be great. Connection is good between people. But at the same time, when you're in that moment, a lot of times talking to anybody seems like the last thing that you actually want to do. And so what would you say to anybody that's listening that is struggling? That's like, no, I just, you know, I'm in this isolating bubble. I just want to be by myself. I don't want to talk to anybody, but obviously it can be really helpful. So what would you say to that person? Well, if you're someone who doesn't want to talk on the phone, you can text it. Oh yeah. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk on the phone and you know, I don't particularly like to answer the phone, <laughs> um, especially the younger demographic too. Um, really, you know, is, is more likely to engage over texting, and so it does do text and chat. That's amazing. And you know, the research has shown that that is effective as well. You know, one of the differences between nine eight eight and nine one one is nine one one is basically a dispatching machine. You call nine one one, and then they're trying to figure out is it a medical emergency, a crime, or a fire. So they can Mm -hmm. figure out who to send. Um, The difference with 988 is that 988 tries to actually provide some intervention via that, whether it's a text interaction or a, or a telephone, you know, voice interaction and can actually, you know, help treat the crisis. Yeah. Help figure out how at risk that person is, help them develop a plan for um, how they're going to keep themselves safe help them figure out how to how to get connected to the resources that they need. So um, a lot of calls don't don't uh, don't end up with sending someone. It's that yeah. interaction and that interaction can be over text. You know, people people wouldn't be texting if it didn't, you know, if it didn't connect. Right. To people, right? Absolutely. I know. I think we've all, you know, like before the pandemic, I even thought virtual therapy. I'm like, why would, how would I do therapy with some, with a therapist over zoom? That'll never work. And then now that's all I've ever done. I've never gone into a therapist's office and mm-hmm. you can text with therapists and you can do all that. And so it makes total sense that in your moment of crisis, you should also be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, we're really we're, like the last few years with, especially with COVID and having to use technology has really, I think, made the field more responsive to make it easy for people to get the care that they need instead mm-hmm. of expecting people to come to us. And then, you know, if people have transportation issues or, you know, just whatever barriers it takes to get yourself, or even if you're depressed, part of being depressed is you don't want to get up and do anything. Yeah. You don't have that motivation and you don't have that energy. And so instead of expecting people to overcome these barriers and then calling them non-compliant when they, when they can't, you know, we've really worked on uh, making it easier for people to get, get help. A lot of all mental health professionals will tell you that um, after COVID, when every, everything went virtual during the lockdowns, that the no-show rate went to like zero because oh. you were reaching people in their homes. Yeah. So people didn't have to, you didn't have people not showing up because they didn't have transportation or they couldn't get over that inertia to get out of the house mm-hmm. um, because you were reaching them where they were. So I think that, that makes so much that sense. Says that, you know, we should think about what makes it easy for people to get the, the help that they need. Yeah. Just removing the steps. Accordingly. Yeah. yeah. That makes so much sense. So if somebody sends a text, let's say you're really struggling and you open, you dial 988 on your phone, you send a text. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. I, I don't want to be here anymore. What kind of things, like who are the people on the other side of, 
of that phone. It is a real person that will is text a real you back. Person, it's not an automated. It's, it's not a bot. It's not like a Twitter mm-hmm. bot or something. So all these, the, it's a network of call centers and some of them have the text capability and they have all, they're all kind of administered by SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Mm-hmm. The Lifeline has kind of spun off into an organization called Vibrant Emotional Health, and they've developed standards and training and like kind of like accreditation. So all of the call centers that are part of 988 have you know received a certain amount of training and had a certain amount of certification so that they are trained in how to do these assessments and how to you know help determine um, you know how much at risk someone is and to look for the risk factors and help address them and do that in an evidence-based way. Um, There's been quite a few studies done of the lifeline call centers over the years that show that um, these interactions reduce suicidal thinking, reduce suicide attempts, um, you know, so that that it's, it's evidence-based and it works. Yeah. That's amazing. What are some of the things, you know, for ourselves or the people around us that we could try to look out for so that we maybe don't even get to the point where we need to call a 988, just some of the warning signs of for ourselves and the people around us? Yeah, when you're when you're um, looking for warning signs of, say, you know, suicidal thoughts, Mm -hmm. a lot of it is especially when you're looking for warning signs like in your friends and family is changes from from how they normally are. So Mm -hmm. um, when people start to get depressed, oftentimes they'll start isolating and withdrawing from things that they used to do, things that they used to find enjoyable. Mm -hmm. People no longer get pleasure or joy out of that and kind of sort of withdraw and and don't engage. Um, Sometimes people find that they're sleeping a lot um, and appetite increases, energy decreases. Other people get kind of like a nervous depression where they're jittery and on edge and anxious and not sleeping a lot and their appetite decreases. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it sounds complicated where your appetite could increase or decrease, but the the point is that it's a change from. Yeah. A big change. Yeah. Yeah, How they normally are. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So if we start to notice that in a loved one, what do you Mm -hmm. think is the best are some of the things we can do to help them? Um, you know, reach out to them, tell them I'm here for you. You know, oftentimes if you've had your own um, struggles with that, uh, letting them know that they're not alone is mm-hmm. can be really powerful. Checking up on them just so that people know that they're not, you know, that they're, that someone does care about them and then connecting them, um, encouraging them to call a number like 988 or to talk to their, you know, it's, there's, it's hard to access mental health care in this country. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's a complicated system and you know, there's a shortage of psychiatrists and things like that. That's why, yeah. I mean, uh, connections, the crisis centers that we run are designed to have, to give people immediate access where they can walk in and, and see someone and get an assessment and started on medication and, you know, connected to where they can get long-term follow-up. If you don't have centers like that, people's primary care, um, you know, most people actually, uh, most of the mental health care is actually delivered by primary care these days. So if you're wow. in, if you're already in with the primary care doc, you know, talk to them. Um, mm-hmm. But and and again, these phone lines, these nine eight eight, and you know, any other kind of crisis line, you know, or, or that's what they're designed for is to help get people connected to the care that they need. Yeah, make it easier and also make it. I know sometimes if for people, if you're struggling with 
suicidal thoughts, you think you're going to get in trouble if you tell right. somebody or if you call 911 and say it to them, what's going to happen to you? And so making it less scary and accessible seems like it would make a lot of difference. Yes. And we know one thing we didn't talk about is substance use and mm. substance use often, you know, a lot of people who have mental health struggles have substance use struggles and vice versa. And so, um, you know, calling these crisis lines, if you have substance use going on is something, you know, that shouldn't prevent you from, from calling these lines either. And a lot, that's another warning sign. If you see people start to say, increase their alcohol intake or other substances, mm -hmm. that is also another warning sign. And so, you know, connecting people to their, to the substance use care that they need is important as well. Yeah. And so that's something people can use 988 for as well calling well, or texting yeah, it's, it's it's sort of any mental health crisis yeah include substance use and yeah so that's what it is going to help to take to get them you know connected to the care they need and get them back in a place of wellness and health and then yeah yeah where do you see i mean this seems like a huge step forward in mental health care in america what do you see as the next like what in your ideal world obviously it seems like you've done a lot of work and thought a lot about this. And in Arizona, you guys have done a lot to change the system there. What do you see as the future of mental health care in America? I think having a um, response system th that is just as robust and that we expect the, the same level of quality as we do for, for physical health. I mean, for, for example, if someone has a stroke or a heart attack, we don't, like we expect that we'll call 911, that someone will come to our house who's trained in healthcare and can stabilize you and bring you, you know, in a, in a healthcare setting to a place where someone can treat you and, you know, send you upstairs to a hospital bed if that's what you need. And we mm -hmm. expect that we expect that for every call for every person, regardless of what kind of insurance they have or where they live, that's just, that's just expected. I think um, we need to get to a place where that's just as expected for mental health. And then it's yeah. not just something, well, if we have some extra money or if we can scrounge around money out of the police budget, or if the funding is good this year, then we can have some mental health services. Like we wouldn't stand for that for heart attacks and for strokes. So yeah. um, what we've, what Arizona's developed over the years is kind of a model for how it, it could work around the country. And, um, you know, in the, in the system here, there's a crisis line like 988. And people can call that and they get trained professionals and they resolve about 80% of those calls over the phone. Wow. And 80%. By doing, mm -hmm, yep. By doing, you know, the evidence-based telephonic counseling and risk assessment. And mm -hmm. part of what they can do is they they're plugged into the local system so they can make appointments. So if part of what it takes to resolve your crisis at two in the morning is to say, well, tomorrow at 1130, we have an appointment at this clinic. They can yeah. do that. And then for those that need a higher level of care, they can dispatch mobile crisis teams that respond in about an hour, within an hour, um, to wherever that person is that are not police, they're clinicians, and they're able to do a face-to-face -face assessment and help make sure that person's safe. And if they do a face-to-face -face intervention, they resolve about 70% of, of the calls they go on. And then for people that need still a higher level of care, there are crisis facilities like ours where... Um, the either the mobile teams can bring people if police are involved, police can drop off people so that it's much easier 
Uh, so they don't take people to jail. Instead, they take people to treatment if that's what they need. Anyone can yeah. walk in or emergency rooms can send people. And after an overnight stay, most people, about 60%, are able to um, be connected to care out in the community and avoid having to go to emergency rooms or hospitals. And sort of like, you know, it's sort of like that system that we expect for a heart attack but for mental health. And I think that's the future is when every community can expect that. Yeah. Cause with a heart attack, I would guess you're not going to go, okay, you're all better the next day. The heart attack's over. We're not going to pay attention to your health moving forward and change right. anything. And they're not going to send the police to deal with your heart attack. Yes. And they're not going to send you to an emergency room that does not have, you know, most 60% of emergency rooms don't have any mental health capability. And it's not wow. like ERs can go, well, we just don't do heart attacks. Yeah. Um, you know, they can't do that, but they could do that for mental health. Um, wow. So, yeah, um, getting to the point where you expect that at the same level of care. And the other thing, too, is um, all of our health insurance pays mm-hmm. for all that emergency care, but it often does not pay for the, the um, mental health emergency care. So yeah. that system that I just described, people go through that system. And if they have private insurance, the tab is picked up by the taxpayer-funded indigent care system because their health insurance won't pay for it. So that's also something that needs to change. Yeah. Wow. For sure. Another thing I was curious about, you know, of course, nobody knows when you send a text to 988 or you call, you don't know who is who you're calling. You don't know the actual person on the other side. And for people that maybe want to, you might think, oh, well, how are they going to relate to me. Maybe I am a member of the LGBTQ plus community, or I'm a person of color, or I have a disability. Is there any way that people connect to somebody that, you know, can understand their particular struggles or that's something that, um, the, the call centers are, I mean, that that's part of one of the things that the field is working on is to Mm -hmm. ensure from the beginning that there's culturally appropriate services. Yeah. Um, that said, there are also uh, various crisis lines around the country that are that are specifically targeted at certain certain communities. Oh, but not, but yeah. the the lifeline is I know actively that's part of their core values is to have and, and their standards is to have culturally appropriate services. For example, um, you know, where I'm at in Arizona, the that's the other thing too is that it's a it's a network of call centers, and so all the call centers are mm-hmm. maybe a little different. But, um, you know, I'm at in Arizona, we have multiple tribal nations. And so the, the crisis line that is local to here, I know they have, they have tribal liaisons that can actually get on the phone and, um, you know, be part of that conversation to make sure that, that there's not any, you know, cultural disconnect there. So there's all kinds of different solutions, you know, and it's an evolving field. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a, part of what needs to be part of the response. Yeah, that's great. Obviously, they're wor- everybody's working to make it better all the time. <laughs> yep. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you want people to know about this new number, 988, or just about mental health in general? Um, you know, we, we talk about getting to this ideal crisis system mm-hmm. and, you know, what, what does that look like? And I was part of a, a group that actually wrote this report that was released by the National Council for Mental Wellbeing called Roadmap to the Ideal Crisis System. And you can download it and read it at crisisroadmap.com. 
And it talks about all of those different parts of the system that I mentioned. It also talks about, it it has like a report card for communities to kind of give themselves a self-assessment and then tips for communities to get together and start to plan how to, how to move to the next step. And so if anyone is interested in how to build that next step of what happens after the call, I would encourage Mm -hmm. them to go check that out. Crisisroadmap.com. Amazing. Crisisroadmap.com. That's wonderful. Thank you for putting that together and making it available for everybody to look at too, because obviously that's a huge part of it. Just getting us all on the same level too. So thank you so much, Dr. Margie Balfour. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything that you're doing. Clearly it will keep saving people's lives um, and making them better. So thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you, wonderful human, for listening to this episode of Mentally Together. I'm Cassidy Quinn, and I will see you back here on the podcast next week. In the meantime, do not forget that this Saturday, July 16th, is the launch of 988. And my excitement for this and the way I'm talking about it sometimes to me feels like it's an ad campaign for this phone number, but really we're talking about mental health, we're talking about suicide prevention, we're talking about you and me when we are in a crisis, being able to pick up the phone and text three numbers for some help and support, or call, dial three numbers for support. It's a huge thing. As Dr. Balfour talked about in our conversation, 988 is a huge step, but there is still a lot more work to be done. So there's something called the 988 Implementation Act that was introduced in Congress in March of this year, of 2022, but it hasn't actually been passed yet. The goal is so that when someone is in crisis, they have someone to call, which 988 a lot helps with that, obviously, someone to come and somewhere to go if it's needed. And of course, there is money needed to make people available to call, to show up, and to fund the places that they might go. So the bill would provide federal funding and guidance for states to actually implement 988 and their crisis systems, including requiring all health insurance plans to actually cover crisis services, implementing a national suicide prevention awareness campaign, and providing funding for community-based crisis response centers. I'll put a link to the 988 Implementation Act in the show notes if you want to read more about it. I personally really hope it can get passed soon because clearly this is so important. Because remember, we are all just trying to keep ourselves mentally together. Mentally Together is produced, hosted, and edited by Cassidy Quinn in collaboration with Koba FM, a podcast network that is all about community, baby.